Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. How are you, sir? Absolutely fantastic, man. Excited to be here with this awesome group. Is that, I mean, this is going to be one of the best things that you do all week, man. Uh, just, yes, it's, it's just a phenomenal group of young men right here. Uh, and it's the, it's the best thing every week. These are all guys that are committed to leading. And, um, you know, we get to bring on amazing leaders like you every single week, man, and have conversations. So grateful for your time, sir. I'm excited to be here. I, I want to jump in right away and, and throw out some honor and praise to you young men for being here. There's a lot of places you could be. There's a lot of things you could be doing. But the fact that you're here says a lot about the caliber of young men you are. So kudos to you, gentlemen. Amen. Thank you for that. That's exactly it. You know, I always tell these guys, and, and I, I know they don't have the ability yet maybe um, emotionally to grasp this. Intellectually, they all grasp it. I'm like, no, you guys are, these are your young men that I'm going to be working with for the rest of my life. And I'm not just talking as a man. We're going to be doing business together. We're going to be, you guys are going to be creating businesses together. Like this is going to be something that uh, that ripples into eternity, you know, in so many powerful ways. And it's just super, super exciting. So uh, and speaking of good men doing exciting things, you just got off a podcast with another one of the, the past right. mentors who's two young men happen to be on this call as well. How was uh, how was the podcast, my friend? Oh, it was awesome, man. Great conversation. Good. Yeah, right as we wrap up, he's like, hey, my boys are going to be in there. So that's cool. Yeah. Excited. Super Excited cool. Man. Super cool. So here's the way we like to do it, man. I want to dive in because we like to use these as, as podcast episodes as well, which hopefully you are... Uh, you are okay with and we want to Absolutely. make sure we're really on ours. Uh, so we want to dive into to you. You know, we want to dive into your background, make sure that the listeners too have an idea of who of who you are and what you're doing and and uh, kind of what life looks like for you. And then the last you know 20, 30 minutes or so, we'll open it up and these young guys are gonna have questions for you as well. And we might go anywhere and everywhere. Um, so we want to dive into you. But I'm going to start with this because where we like to go is, you know, we got guys on here that are 11 and 12 up through, you know, 19, 20 years old. So I like to kind of take you back somewhere in there like that 13, 14, like who was Greg at that point? You know, was he this, you know, phenomenally energetic, brilliant guy that, you know, that's this ultimate leader like he is now, phenomenal communicator, or was he learning some lessons of heart? Like I like to start there, but I want to start with some praise for you as well diving in so not only have i grown to just love and respect everything that you're doing as a as a just a human being in general as a as a husband as a father when i sent these guys a little background information on you to to dive in and take a look i was looking at the uh the about greg and one of the things you put under qualifications that is possibly my favorite thing anybody has ever put under an about section is read over a thousand books and and I'm interested at some point to get to why you went ahead and put that on there, because I think that that is one of the most valuable things I've ever seen anybody let other people know in terms of being qualified to lead. Truly. It, truly. It's phenomenal, man. It's phenomenal. I talked to a Yale guy last week. He's, you know, this Yale grad, uh, uh, Yale MBA grad. He's a Harvard grad and then Yale MBA, right? So he's this brilliant, you know, and he says, man... I'll tell you what, 95% of everything I learned 
I could have gotten it for free at the library. Yep. Oh, and like, so true. Uh, uh-huh. And I was like, I know I'm trying to show the world that that's the reality too, you know? So, and then I saw that on yours and I'm like, dude, I love that. So praise for you as well. Take us back to Greg, young Greg, and give us a little, uh, a little bit of an origin story, sir. Love it, man. So uh, people have a hard time believing this about me. I have a hard time believing it about myself. Uh, when I was, so at, man, 13, 14, you guys, my parents had divorced when I was really young. By that time we were, it was probably stepdad two or three. And mm-hmm. now, now there's been six total. And so it, it was kind of broken family relationships. So I saw a lot of fighting, uh, a lot of uh, frustration, divorces, sorrow, deep poverty. And fellas, I was shy. Oh, I was so shy, so timid, so insecure. Uh, even at 17, gentlemen, I could not look somebody in the eye. If we were having a conversation, I was looking down. I remember this one guy with the best of intentions. He's like, Greg, you, you got to look up, man. You got to look people in the eye when they're talking to you. And I looked up and I'm like, man, he's still looking at me. <laughs> I, I can't maintain eye contact. This dude is looking at me. And I just, I, I was so, so shy and afraid and insecure. Um, but the one thing, and I'm glad you brought up the books that this, that's at that point, that's when everything changed for me. Cause, and I was a really slow reader. Reading was hard. Grammar was hard. Writing was hard, but I, I got into some historical fictions and I was like, Ooh, this is cool. Huh. And I started to learn to love reading. I actually ended up out on my own at 16. I left home at 16 years old, trying to figure out how to do life. And books literally altered the course of my life. I am where I am today. I'm going where I'm going because of great books. Yes, sir. Those authors became my mentors and teachers and coaches. So what did you start reading around, around that time, that 16 year old, you know, that's getting ready to go out on his own. You start diving into that historical fiction. What yep. are you, what are you reading? Who are you learning from? So the, the one that really was the, the big, like, I, I see this as the catalyst, the, the turning point for everything is I was out, out on my own and it was like, tough fellas. Remember like it was Christmas Eve. Um, so it's, it's like Christmas Eve, New Year's and my birthday is just in January. So it's two holidays and my birthday right there. I'm 16 and turning 17. We, I was living in a bad part of town, just in a, in a shack of a house. It was pathetic. We didn't have enough heat and it's just freezing. I'm wrapped up in these blankets. I could see my breath in my bedroom and my bedroom was like about as big as my desk is right now. <laughs> I was tiny. I'm packed in there. I'm all by myself, no friends, no family, no, you know, Christmas feasts, no presents, no one to be around, just sitting there by myself. And, and man, those were tough times. And um, I was I was reading from the Bible, which was is beautiful and special for me, and had some special experiences with God. So that was huge. But somehow in those in those first little bit, I I found this book and it didn't even have a cover. I don't even know how I got it. And I started reading. It was called The Hiding Place. And it's a book by Corey Tenboom. Anybody here read The Hiding Place? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, I got a bunch of them. Oh, man. And it's about this amazing, beautiful Christian family in the Netherlands during World War II. They decided to start hiding some of the Jews that were being persecuted. Mm-hmm. And they ended up over a long time saving a lot of lives, fellas. A lot of people were so blessed. But their family got captured and taken to concentration camps and everybody ended up dying in their family except Corey, who wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And so she became the first mentors. And I remember reading their story and thinking, if they can be that 
caliber of people in the hardest of circumstances, I can be a good man in these circumstances. I can get through this. Oh. And so they, they mentored me and I, it, it, they just gave me the vision of the kind of kind of person I wanted to be. And I started there with that great. Holy board. cow. Okay. So I want to, I want to, I want to tackle this six days. I love the mindset. And I think that is the heroic mindset. And that's what, you know, that's, that's the beauty of these books is they become mentors. That's our entire educational philosophy as we're diving in and helping these families, you know, around the world, which I know you do as well. Um, so I, I love that mindset realistically, the application of that, so many people would hear, well, you're not going to fully grasp that. It's, you're not going to do anything with that at 16. And somebody can't live on their own at 16. And this is something that, that you know, quite often, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, our young, young people are, are more capable of it. Yeah, but their their brains aren't fully developed until they're 25, right? And so culture has put this this, uh, you know, kind of this glass, this ceiling on top of young people, specifically young men, oh, they're just not capable. They're just not capable of when you're going, Hey, I was on my own at 16. I look back and go say, I was on my own at 17. There was a time when I was in my early twenties where I lived in a 1982 Toyota Corolla. So, right. So I get, so I, I, I lived in an old pickup truck from the eighties. Dude, we should have shacked up, man. We could have, we could have found a parking lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, what, like, why at sixteen? What was the decision to to look like? What was the decision where it's like, man, it's going to be better just on my own? And what did you actually do at sixteen to sustain yourself moving forward? Man, so really, the the catalyst was frustration um, with with kind of the family family life and stepdad's coming and going and, and just kind of, I, I, I was, I was dissatisfied with, with the way things were. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think there's an important principle there for all of us. Like mm -hmm. we can get hungry, right? Hungry for, for better things. And, and that could be like better health, better relationships, better income, better skills, whatever it is. Like, man, I, I just don't like this. I want to, this, is, this isn't, this isn't my best. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be my best self. So that was the catalyst. I got out there. Now I wish I'd had a mentor. I wish I'd had somebody to, I wish I had this, you guys, this, sure. this, what you have right here is life-changing. I didn't have any of this. I had nothing. And I come from a really poor background, very, very poor family. I'm like, I didn't even know what to do. I had no skills. I had no vision. I didn't know how to hustle. I didn't know how to get things done. I was literally in survival mode. And so I would just take any job I could get. And sometimes it was rough neighborhoods and hard work. But what, what I did is I, by force, I had to become responsible. Yep. And responsibility is the greatest thing in life. Mm. Sometimes you want to avoid it because it looks like a lot of hard work. <laughs> mm. like, it's like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be tough. But man, responsibility is the greatest thing in life. It's what brings us results. It's what brings us freedom. It's what brings us fulfillment. And so I had to be responsible. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out how to be happy. I'm going to figure out how to be successful. I'm going to face all my fears. I'm going to face all my weaknesses. Anything is holding me back. I got, I got to fix that. Right. And so I became, I became responsible and digging in there, like whether it was waiting tables or doing manual labor, like digging ditches or laying car, any job I could get anything. I, I would just do whatever I had to do, read, read any books, ask questions, do, super humble to feedback when people come and say, Hey, you're doing that wrong. Okay. Thank you. I'll do it right. I'll fix. And I just, I wanted to step by step, 
I wanted, desperately wanted to be truly happy and successful. I want to live an extraordinary life. Yeah. And so you just had, so you went, I mean, I love that because I think people have that hunger. People notice that hunger, but people are, like you said, they're desperate to get away from the responsibility. And that responsibility is the road to, to, to getting fed, right? It's the, it's the road to, to ending that hunger. So, you know, I look at so many parallels in my own journey, right? And being 17. And then, and, and I had very similar thing where I'm taking on multiple jobs and I was putting myself through school and, and how all of these um, circumstances, but it was when I was working, you know, an odd job at, at Abercrombie and Fitch where things, you know, took a, a shift because of who I, you know, helped and, and unwitting didn't know. And I helped Mark Mastroff who then was like, Hey, come to 24 hour fitness. He was the, you know, the founder of 24 hour nice. fitness and then working really well there. I had served somebody that I didn't have any idea who they were. And they're like, Hey, you've got to come work for me at Stanford university. Right. And so, you know, all of that really kind of shifted for me when I had that experience with Mark and it kind of set this trajectory to, to what I'm doing now. Was there a moment you're doing all these odd jobs for multiple years was there like a pivotal, a pivotal moment that kind of shifted things for you and, and sent you off in this trajectory? Like, what did that look like? Man, you know, hearing your story and thinking the parallels of mine, there were, there were many instances like that where you just decided to show up to, to do things right, to have a good attitude, to just believe, like to believe in myself. Yeah. Hey, fellas, if you're taking notes, like write this down. Like the, I get to work with men across five continents, right? I get to work with people all over the world. It's awesome. Um, the number one limiting factor I've ever seen is a person's limiting beliefs in their selves. Mm-hmm. Like jot that down, think about it, really consider that. The biggest limiting factor in life is your own limiting beliefs about yourself. And it was, it was somewhat, and it took a while, right? I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have somebody encouraging me, pushing me along and, there were tough times. And I was, again, I was plagued with self-doubt and insecurities, but I think if anything really changed something, it was like, I just, just flipped a switch of like, I can figure this out. I will figure this out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make this happen. And then you're right. When you just like your story, like when you start working, man, just this, it seemed so random, like, but a, a divine yeah. coincidence. I, I wholeheartedly believe that God and the universe are conspiring in your favor all the time. Yep. I'm trying to make things work for you and you'll just meet someone. And if, well, actually, can I tell, can I share a story? Please. Let me share a story. This, this happened years later. I was doing triathlons. Um, and so I was married, had a couple of kids by then I was doing all these triathlons and our family decided to move to Costa Rica. They're like, we want to go down there and just experience, um, you know, Costa Rica is just this tropical paradise. So we moved down there and I did a quick research online and it, I didn't see any triathlons. So I'm like, Oh, I kind of let up on my training. Right. I was in phenomenal shape. So swimming, biking, and running. Yeah. We get we get to Costa Rica and I'm down there. And so I did a little bit of running, a little bit of biking, but I stopped swimming. I wasn't training hard, right? Without a competition, I wasn't training hard. Um, any any runners here? Any cyclists, swimmers? You guys get in that. So like when you get in the competitive stuff, yeah, martial arts, you guys, you guys know that stuff. So I let off a little on my training and then a buddy calls me. He's like, what? He's like, I just found this epic Xterra triathlon in Costa Rica. Are you in? And he's like, I was like, of course I'm in. When is it? He's like, two weeks. I was like, man, okay. <laughs> that gives me a week to train. And so I started training hard for that week. We go down there. It was in paradise on this beach. We swim in the ocean. 
And, you know, but there was big waves that day. So I ended up swallowing a bunch of seawater. Then I come out and it was the hardest bike ride I've ever done in my life. It was grueling, 40 miles, steep trails, jungle beaches. Literally, we were riding past um, scarlet macaws and toucans and spider monkeys and howler monkeys. I mean, it was amazing. And then, but I was, I wasn't, I wasn't in shape. I hadn't trained enough. And I was, it was hot and humid. I was dehydrated. So I'm getting towards the end of my bike and my legs just seize up. You guys, you fellas ever had a leg cramp where your leg just locks, right? Oh man, I heard you guys know what I'm talking about. So my, and I've got clip in pedals, right? So my leg locks up and I got this big old leg cramp. And so of course I can't get my foot out. So I fall over. I'm just like crashing there in the jungle. I get my, my foot out. I have to use a tree to kind of straighten out my leg and get the cramp out. It's hurting so bad. So I have to wait for a little bit. I get on my bike, ride about another mile. It does it again. I fall over, get it out, work it out. I get back to the transition station. So I, we've, I swam, then I ran. And now you put on your shoes, which was incredibly difficult because my legs were cramping. And I started to run. And right as I'm running out of the station, both of my legs just completely seize up in cramps. And I just fall. And I'm laying there, like my legs just killing me. I'm laying there in transition station, everybody watching. And I just learned one of the most important lessons of my life. When the time to perform has arrived, the time to prepare is past. I'm going to repeat that. When the time to perform has arrived, the time to prepare has passed. It's like, man, when you have a chance, when you have an opportunity to show up, to make a difference, to do something for yourself, you got to be ready. Mm. And there were little moments, I think I kind of got lucky as a young man, where I was ready. I had a good attitude. I was working hard. I was showing up. I really wanted it. Mm. So I was given cool opportunities. But but it wasn't always. There were were opportunities I totally missed out on, fellas. Man, I can't go back and and get those back. And I missed them because I wasn't ready. But that's that's been one of the most important lessons of my life. That was huge. The uh, you guys, the wisdom in that. Um, and again, so many dang, so many dang parallels. You know, same thing. I've been been training and and you know, I'd com- been a competitive kickboxer and, and done all these things. So I had always stayed in the martial arts and stayed in shape. And um, but I had sort of been slacking on the training a little bit. And and find out that there's this tryout coming up for Ken Shamrock's team. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to start getting back in shape. But then Ken calls me and is like, hey, man, you know, I need you actually fighting on this card in, in a week. And you got to make this weight and be ready to go. And I was like, oh, of course. You know, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, I'm not going to say no to that. I just got called by a UFC legend and he's asking me to come fight on his first promotion. I'm like, yeah, dude, let's let's rock and roll. But because I had slacked a little bit, the weight, you know, cut was hard. The um, getting in there, like it was far more difficult than it than it could have been. Um, and it was that same sort of deal. I love the way that you uh, phrase that too, you know, when the time to perform has arrived, the time to prepare, um, that's all that you guys, that's huge. And the, the random, another word you said in there was the randomness. It seems random and it does, it does. It sees, we have this weird thought that success, whatever that looks like is this linear, thing where it's, as long as I follow a, I'll get to B, which will lead to C, which will lead to D. And the reality is it almost seems like you're doing A plus Z plus Q and then V's over here. Yeah. And it's all freaking over the board. And then it's all of a sudden 
it's that thing that, you know, that, that sets you off on this other path. So, um, gosh, man, I mean, that's absolutely it. It's just take on so many of these dang experiences. So you got that under your belt. So bring us a little closer to, um, what you've got going on now. Like as far as, you know, you've got this, you've got this amazing family and what you guys do is, is phenomenal. So at what point are you meeting, you know, are you meeting your wife and, and are you starting to actually build out the business that you want to build out and, and all this kind of stuff? How did that kind of take shape? Yeah. So you guys, I am um, like the, the greatest privilege in life is to be a husband and a father. Yeah, it is the best. Oh, it's the best. And so my wife and I have been married 22 years. We have seven children. Um, Our oldest just turned 20 and our youngest is five. And, and our, our family dream, like, I hope, I hope your family has a dream. I hope that your future family has a dream. Our family dream life is travel, man. We love travel. We just cannot get enough travel and we go international and have the coolest experiences. And I, I've got my life list right here on my desk. I got this huge list of hundreds of things, just the most epic things to do in life. And I'm just going through, go through life, checking them off, right? Just crazy cool stuff. Like I took my son and we circled Iceland. I took my other son and we hiked up to the base camp of Mount Everest. Uh, with my wife, we went out and we we rode camels in the Sahara, like way out there on the sand dunes. And then she and I went, and we hiked the Inca trail into Machu Picchu. And um, then last year for our anniversary, we, we got with some friends and we chartered a private yacht to sail around the Galapagos islands. Right. And then I took my son and my daughter and we rode ponies across Mongolia. Right. And my other daughter, we went and did this world war II trip all through Eastern Europe and humanitarian projects in Guatemala. I mean, just, just epic, epic stuff. But we go back to 16, 17, 18, man, I was just trying to figure out like, well, how am I going to get lunch? Yeah. Food, man. How am I going to get dinner? How am yeah. I going to get an education? How am I going to figure things out? How I could, I couldn't even talk to girls. I was so like terrified of girls, but I wanted to have a great marriage. You know, what I did fellas, this is, this is, this is, I think important at 16, I started making a list of the attributes I wanted in a wife and in a marriage. Mm. And I kept it with me for years and added to it. And, and luckily I realized, oh, wait a minute, if this, if this caliber of girl I'm writing about, if she's even going to be slightly interested in me, I have to be that caliber Ooh. of a man. That's right. I got to level up for this. Right. So I, I was reading voraciously fellows and I was, I, I still average gentlemen about a book a week. Mm-hmm. I have not let up and every book has become a part of me. And then every time I read a book, I think, okay, what do I got to apply here? What do I got to try? What do I, what do I need to do better? How can I be my best self? And so I'm working on my skills and I'm working on my knowledge and I'm working on my character and my mind. And I do it like mind, body, spirit mm-hmm. is my, my big trifecta there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, mind, body, spirit. So I'm working on those things. And because I was working, this is worth jotting down too. Work harder on yourself than you do on anything else. Absolutely. You work harder on yourself than you do on anything else, man. Other things start to fall into place. So that's what I was doing. I was committed. So I went to university, uh, kept getting better jobs, kept learning new skills, kept reading great books, kept meeting people, overcoming my shyness, (laughs) like purposely doing really hard things. I'd pick things that just scare me, that terrify me, really uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to force myself to do it so I can push past those barriers. 
And man, it just opened up opportunities and doors to meet my wife and start our family, adopted our first daughter when she was five days old and just, just dove head first into life. Like, how can we live a really extraordinary life? Uh, where did you meet? So where did you meet your lady? So when I was, we were at university um, and I went to see this speaker, this presenter, um, and she came and sat right in front of me. She was with a bunch of guys. And she sat right in front of me. I'm like, oh man, I, like I'm, I'm yeah. sitting there like, I, I think I could take these guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I got these guys, but I didn't get a chance to talk to her. And so she's leaving the building. I'm literally, you guys, it was dorky. I'm just sitting there staring at her as she walks out of the building. And I'm like, there goes the love of my life that I've never even talked to. But luckily she said something to somebody and then walked out. And I was like, I know that guy. And it, and it was because I put myself in really uncomfortable positions and forced myself to meet people yeah. that I met this guy named Rob. So I literally booked over there, you guys. I was like clearing benches, throwing chairs. I'm like, Rob, who was that? And he's like, oh, it's Rachel. And Rob set me up on a date with Rachel, man. And so it was a blind date for her. And we went out and this is crazy. This is super crazy that I'm not recommending this to anyone, but we were married within three months. So we were so clear, knew exactly what we wanted uh, with life. And interesting that the, the Really, the day after I met her, her dad um, was diagnosed with cancer. Wow. And they gave him three to six months to live. So we're like, you know what? We're going to start our life. We're going to get married. He's going to be here. And we're, we're going to do life right. Wow. And it's, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. Wow. I love that story. Um, and, and here's the deal. You say it's crazy. And I get it. And I get why you would say it. But there was one piece that I heard in there, too, which makes me think that it wasn't. You said we were both so clear. And that's it, right? The beauty of, of longer courtships and things like that is, is usually getting clear together and figuring out if there's an alignment, right? You guys were already clear. You were already committed to being that level 10 individual. And you were very clear about what that looked like. You had these books, you had read these mentors. So you had already created this archetype or what, what Plato calls the form, right? You created this form of who you needed to be. Who was that level 10 individual? So that when she came along and she had clarity on that too, well, it's a whole lot easier when two people are very clear to just come together. Dang, right. Yep. You yeah, know, exactly right. Oh man, that's powerful. So rad. Okay. So before we get in gentlemen, I'm going to um, have you guys start putting some hands up so that you guys can start uh, asking some questions as well. But um, give these guys a little brief insight in, into what, I mean, you're taking all these epic trips. You've got seven kids and you got this amazing wife. What does kind of day-to-day -day look like for you and give them a little sense of, of kind of the business side of things? Yeah. So because, because of the story, I was just telling you guys, my desperation to find the, the, the real secrets to happiness and success. Like what are the habits? What are the principles? What are the practices? I started amassing those over years and then I got so excited to share them. Like I got to share this stuff. I want to, I want to give this, I don't want to help everyone. And so I initially got into teaching and I was a teacher for several years and then mentoring and then coaching. And so now I get a coach, um, every single day, uh, I get a coach, just awesome men, um, and some women with my wife, we do some coaching and we get to just help, help people be their best selves. So and years ago, when my oldest daughter became a teen, I was like, I want an awesome group of youth. And I want to teach, like, I want to, I can't, you can't just sit down and teach her if she won't listen. But if I bring a, a group of you together and I teach yeah. them, then they get to be friends and they get to do cool stuff. So I started uh, this, this class, I call it habits for a successful life. 
Um, and so I get to do that twice a week with, as long as I have teenagers, I'm going to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I literally get to teach and mentor, meet with great people, uh, every day. And it's just yeah. the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that's kind of my, my day to day. Like, of course I'm, I'm reading every morning. I'm exercising every day, you know, investing in my, my marriage and our kids and then running the business. But it's, it's, a, it's awesome life that we've really worked hard to create. Yes, sir. Uh, like I said, it's just nonstop um, parallel. I think that's why you and I got along so, so well, so fast. Um, just so many dang parallels here, you know? And, and so, um, I almost feel, almost feel like it's uh, when I'm like, dude, I respect so much of what you're doing and who you are and stuff. I almost am like, Hey, just make sure you're respecting because it's what he's doing too. Not just because it's like, yeah, this is what I do too. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's so much parallel, um, on that, man. So I, I freaking absolutely love it, man. You're making such a huge impact in, in, uh, so many lives, man. Um, and it's rad. Oh, it's amazing. All right, Logan, go ahead, sir. Thank you, Mr. Denning for hopping on the call today. Um, so to ask you my question, I kind of have to lay out a bit of a story, right? So uh, yesterday after school, me and my mom were driving home, right? And because I'm in a, a, a great school situation, uh, Acton Academy, I get to interact with my peers and do, uh, do group projects. And it's fantastic. I love it. Um, and so my mom happened to be in the room since she runs the school yesterday, right? So uh, we were talking in a group, right? And she happened to overhear a couple of things I was saying. And so on that drive home, she told me, hey, I heard that you were uh, basically what I was doing is I was making like my statement and not giving much reasoning for it. Right. And so uh, my question sort of ties into that. And so what as and it's a very generic question, but I think it's so powerful. Uh, what are the qualities that make a good leader? Awesome, Logan. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that is, and that's a big question that big many, question. many books have yes, been written sir. about. Yes, sir. Um, which I'll start right there, actually. Leaders are readers, gentlemen. Leaders are readers. Hands down. Yep. Like, we can stop right there. They are reading voraciously. In fact, the average um, CEO, like big of these big companies, they average 63 books a year. That's more than a book a week, gentlemen. And these are some of the busiest people on the planet. But leaders are readers. I think the second piece is uh, leaders have vision. They, they've trained themselves and disciplined themselves to see things that, that most people either can't or won't see. Mm-hmm. And so they have vision. And then I would just throw out a, a third one here. Leaders have courage. Mm-hmm. They're willing to say what needs to be said, to do what needs to be done, to, to have those tough conversations, to call mm-hmm. it out and say, hey, look, this is, this is where we need to go. Mm-hmm. But and I'll add another one. Leadership is earned, fellas. Influence is always earned. It is never a position. Just because you have a title or a position does not yeah. make you a leader. You yeah. are only a leader if other people want to follow your lead, if they want to be influenced by you. And that is only earned. That's right. Period. Powerful. Thank you, sir. Powerful. Um, you know, we, we've had a few guys from, uh, from echelon front that have come on at, at various times and Leif, Leif Babin has joined us and, uh, Carlos Mendez has become a good friend and, and Carlos has joined us. And, and, um, what these guys have always said is like, you know, they, they want to follow what Jocko has got going on. Yep. Jocko spends 85 to 90% of his week reading. Wow. It's not in their meetings. It's not at their musters. It's not public speaking. It's not doing his podcast. 85% to 90% of his week is reading. 
yep. you know, and, and that should be a telling should be a telling statement, you know, and it's, and that is something like you said, that you'll see that's one of those patterns. And, you know, you talked about being uh, the visionary too, and the leaders, you know, trait, what you said was training themselves to see those things. And I think that's the part that gets lost on a lot of people is, you know, leaders that are these visionaries, I actually say they're more like visioneers because what they do is they look at patterns and they're finding these patterns and the pattern just ends then makes sense they go okay well if this is the pattern then here's where things are going right so it's going to go this way so how do i now construct something in the present day that is going to help people as this pattern inevitably takes place yes right so what what, what i hear you saying matt is they're they're phenomenal observers bingo yes you're you're spot on brother Bingo. You know, that's it. They're observing, they're paying attention. They're, they're observing what, what matters. They're not focused on the distractions. They're focused on the way things are and where they're going. So yeah, I, I love that you framed it that way. So good. All right, Caleb, go ahead, sir. Caleb. Hey, thank you, sir, for hopping on the call today. Um, my question for you was how do you see success? Like, what do you see success as? Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that. And I've, I've been thinking about that one for decades. Mm. And what's really interesting is that each of us has to define it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We each have to define it for ourselves because we, I mean, and there's some common denominators, fellas. I, I think we could all, if we all just threw something in there, be like, yeah, that's a great list. And we could all have like some common denominators, but it's going to look a little different for each person. For me on those super dark, lonely nights, and gentlemen, of, of all the things I experienced out of my own from, from hunger and thirst, and fear and depression and anxiety and, and, and insecurities, the worst was loneliness. Mm. Loneliness was worse than anything else. Mm -hmm. So on those dark nights, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do life differently so that none of my kids or anyone around me has to experience what I'm experiencing. So immediately success, first thing, have an absolutely extraordinary marriage. Mm -hmm. And and our marriage works because we work on it, right? And, and almost by default, fellas, I've, I've learned in life that life is kind of lived on an incline. If you're not actively moving up the the, the mountain of life, you, you just kind of start settling back naturally. It's like mm -hmm. it's atrophy or sliding, right? Yep. And so if you're not working on your marriage, then by default, you're working on your divorce. But for me, success is just world-class relationships that has to be important with my wife and my children. Then um, because your body is your vehicle mm -hmm. for everything you experience in life, your body's got to be in a good condition, man. Mm -hmm. Every, like literally, if you want to be a great force for good in the world, if you want to be a useful human being, you've got to have your body in a condition that it can serve. Mm -hmm. It can show up your body and your brain, right? So you can think and you can have the energy you need and the vitality and, and, and you got your vehicle ready to serve and help. And so you got to get your body in the right place. Actually, let me, I'll, I'll show you something real quick because <laughs> I've been, I've been devouring human performance for 25 years, right? Going after this question of success. And I boiled it down like uh, all those years, all the books, all the people I've talked to, I kind of boiled it down to three critical elements and I put it in this. It actually ended up being my logo. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. It's, it's three triangles that are interlocked and I call it the triple trifecta. A trifecta is just three things that, that work together to win. 
So it's the triple trifecta and it's fitness, but it's fitness in mind, body, and spirit, right? You have to have a fit mind, a fit body, and a fit spirit. It's family. So that's marriage, parenting, and family legacy. And then it's your finances. Yeah. Your income, your expenses, how your money goes out, how it comes in, how it goes out, and your investments. Yeah. Man, I boiled that in. I'm like, you nail, if you just absolutely nail as a man, you nail fitness and mind, body, spirit, family, marriage, parenting, legacy, and finances, your income, your expenses, and your investments. Man, you are hitting it. Yes. And in, and in all of that, you're going to be making a positive impact in the world and, and yep. serving and helping and making a difference, and you'll be a great force for good. So those are just a few of the pieces that I that I put into to success for me. Oh, so powerful. So powerful. And I love the F-bombs too. And I know as uh Pedro says fitness, family, finance, and he puts faith in there. And then, and then we always talk about what do all those lead leads to the biggest F bomb, which is freedom. You yep. know, which is exactly another one you used earlier too. So yep. so dang powerful, man. Um, what uh who do you and I, I want to make sure, guys, I'm not gonna hijack it. Who do you who do you like to who do you read on the fitness side or what? Because I I love the fact I know you were out there. I saw a picture of you not too long ago too, and you got uh, you know, you got the gloves on and the headgear on and sparring with your boy, and you know, I like. I just, I freaking love it, man. I love the fact that's a huge part of that respect too, is the, the fact that you have with all this stuff going on, you still focus on that fitness. And I think you that's have negotiable, to. man. It's a non-negotiable. Um, and there's just an extra level of respect that men have for each other as well. When, when we know the other guy keeps that as a priority um, as well, right? Like who do you, who do you like to watch or pay attention to or read or anybody in that fitness space necessarily? Yeah. Um, there isn't anyone in particular that I'm, yeah. that I'm following. I, I became a personal trainer because I, I got serious about it Yep. and I read everything I could about health. Like what yeah. food is fuel fellas, yeah. food is fuel. So yep. nothing will go in my mouth. Yep. It's not good fuel for my body. Yep. But at 17, I cut out all refined sugars, desserts, fast food, junk food, ice cream. Like at 16, I could drink a, a two liter of Dr. Pepper and eat a half gallon of mint and chocolate chip ice cream by myself and call For it. Sure. Yep. <laughs> For just sure. Just horrible. I can't believe I survived. I right? know. But after that, I'm like, no, man, I'm just tanking my own body. Like if, yeah. if I had a, you know, a, a $300,000 Ferrari, you're going to like put soda in the, in the fuel tank. Right. No way. No yeah. way. So I'm going to take care of my body. So I studied health and fitness and then we went out traveling for years. I've, we've taken our kids to like 35 countries. And so while we we're traveling at first, I was like, I don't have a gym membership. So I guess I can't stay in shape. And then I realized, Oh, wait a minute. That's an excuse. Yeah. I'm playing the victim here. So I'm like, yeah. how can I stay in shape in spite of it? So, man, I just got in push-ups, sit-ups, squats. You yep. know, I would push up with my kids on my back. When they're playing the playground, I'm sitting there doing pull-ups. I'm like, I'm going to do everything. So it's awesome. I've done everything you can imagine of just trying to stay in great health and fitness. And it's worth it's worth every effort. Makes I love good. it, man. So good. I'm going to send you uh, – I got to find this PDF and send you. It's completely off topic. But there was this old high school program called La Sierra, and there was actually a, a whole documentary about it. I've talked to some of these guys about it. And in the 60s, La Sierra High School – uh, which is actually where I, near where I was from in, in uh, the Sacramento area of California, they had this uh, physical fitness program uh, for, for the young people. And it was all, you know, calisthenics based and it was just amazing enough to where they did this entire documentary on it about how fit these young people were, but how it bled into every other area of their life, you know, yes. and this whole, this whole PDF of their, you look at the, 
the different levels that they had. They all had different color shorts based on what level they were in. And I've been a physical education teacher. And I can tell you if I came to many schools now and went, okay, here's what you guys are working towards, the number of excuses that would come through from the young people, the number of excuses that the teachers and the administrators would say, no, they shouldn't have to do that because the number of excuses that would come down from parents, you know, unfortunately saying, oh, I'm going to write a note so they don't participate. Like it is such a, a, sh a mindset shift. I'm going to send you that PDF so you can take a look, man. I think you'll dig it. That's it's amazing. Awesome. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.